Well, into episode seven of Cycle Talk SA. My name is Brad Brown. Thanks for joining me today and uh, downloading and listening to this weekly podcast uh, on the South African cycling scene here in Mzanzi. It's good to be with you. Uh, Before we get into this week's show, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's left reviews for us on iTunes, in particular to D Hepburn. Uh, He said, awesome initiative for the podcast. Very informative. Thanks, Brad. Uh, Thank you for leaving that uh, review. I really do appreciate it. If you also uh, download these podcasts through the iTunes platform, if I could ask you to please just leave a review and uh, perhaps a a star rating. Just let us know exactly what you think of the show. What that does is it helps other people find this podcast on iTunes and it just helps me grow the numbers because essentially that's how this thing works. It's all on word of mouth. It's the only way we have to grow this thing as well. Coming up on this week's show, I catch up with Douglas Ryder, uh, the team principal of the MTN Quebecer cycling team. I want to find out what the long-term plans are for MTN Quebecer, how they're doing in Europe. We'll find out a little bit about uh, what they're up to and, uh, yeah, just some of the great, great initiatives that they've got going as well. I also touch base with Ali McLean, who heads up uh, the club sides of uh, Cycle Labs uh, Cycling Club. She gives you all the details on on why they're successful. I thought it would be great to find out from probably the biggest cycling club in the country why they are doing as well as they are, some of the things that they do. Also find out uh, where the closest Cycle Lab Cycling Club to you is. If you're looking for a cycling group, I would definitely, definitely recommend them. And then also caught up with a guy by the name of Freddie Pinard, who, uh, along with 13 other South Africans, will be cycling from Pretoria to Port Elizabeth to raise funds for a school in Pretoria. And I'll tell you all about that on this week's show as well. Uh, without further ado, if you'd like to follow us and be in touch, you can. Uh, you can l- follow us on Twitter at Cycle Talk SA. You can also like our Facebook page. Just look for Cycle Talk SA or pop me an email podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. Let's get straight into this week's show. And our first interview this week is Douglas Ryder. On Cycle Talk SA this week, uh, we wanted to chat about uh, some of the big South African teams that are doing some great things. We we chatted uh, a couple of weeks ago to Lutando Kaku, who's doing some fabulous things with Team Bonitas here on the local circuit. But a team that's doing phenomenally well in Europe at the moment, and have got some big plans over the next couple of years, is Team MTN Quebecer. And it's an absolute pleasure to have the team principal on the show this week, Douglas Ryder. Douglas, uh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thanks, Brad. Appreciate uh, appreciate the call and the interest in the team. Douglas, I've been following the, the team sort of progress with uh, with an eager eye. It's it's just so cool to see you guys working through the sort of processes that you need to do to be able to to race at that top level in Europe. How difficult has it been? I mean, you obviously had a, a fair idea of, of what it would take. Has it been harder than you thought it would be to, to get to where you are right now? So, pretty much. I mean, you know, we, you know, taking a team from, from South Africa and Africa, basing it in Europe, you know, doing what we're doing, setting up infrastructure and, um, and, you know, with, with 70% of our riders from this continent and the African continent, you know, basing them in Europe, you know, which is completely out of their comfort zone in races that most of them have never ever done before. Yeah, it was incredibly challenging. It was, it was difficult to, to, you know, to get the guys motivated to, you know, to believe in the dream and to, and to spend seven months away from home, you know, living in Europe. And, um, and then also just in setting it up, you know, there, there wasn't a team like us 
before and that we could that we could I guess you know try and get some tips from or you know in terms of setting up the infrastructure and starting everything afresh from from South Africa so so yeah it's quite a few challenges that we faced but the team has been incredibly successful showing showing I guess the rest of the world that you know that African cycling could potentially change the the landscape of cycling you know for the foreseeable future which is very encouraging for us and uh, and for the and for the sport on the continent yeah, without a doubt. And as far as where the team is is right now, uh, I, I mean, are you happy with their progress? They they they're starting to pick up some great results in Europe. Obviously, you guys have got long term plans, which we'll chat about now as well. But but right where they're at right now, are you satisfied with the way they're performing? Well, when we set up the you know the I guess the our definition of victory for the year, we you know we wanted to we wanted to win ten UCI races. and we wanted the team to become a credible and respected team in world cycling and. You know, we've won 13 races to date, um, and we've definitely achieved, you know, the fact that we're a credible team. You know, we, we are, we literally have been one of the most spoken about teams in world cycling because of our unique African flavor and, and, you know, the riders from, from different countries in Africa and South Africa, as well as, the, you know, the, I guess the European success and mentors of riders that we brought onto the team that have also had great success. And then, you know, our whole Quebec project that we race for, and that's, it's something that every single rider believes in, and it's something that we as a team absolutely believe in. And um, you know, in terms of developing the best talent on the African continent and and mobilising kids on bikes to make a to make a better different, a bigger difference to to other people as opposed to just winning bike races. So you know, it's far exceeded and exceeded, I guess you know the you know what we wanted to achieve in the first year. Okay, Douglas, I mean, you, you mentioned that they, that the team's probably been one of the most spoken about teams in, in Europe this season, and you mentioned the the Quebecer side of it. It's 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 a, it's a fabulous story, and, and I want you to just touch on it. I mean, so, for somebody who doesn't really know uh, or, or maybe hasn't heard that story, tell us a little bit about the, the Quebecer side of it and, and, and what you guys do and, and what you're hoping to achieve with it. So Quebecer is a is a is an organization, a non-profit organization that puts that puts people onto bicycles. It's it's a it's a bike company that um you know that uh, where where individuals earn bicycles through doing work, and you know either it's you know planting trees or cleaning up trash or you know or you know improving their education and and you know improving their attendance at school. So it's a work to earn model, which is fantastic and. And it's an, you know, it's an organization that we've, you know, obviously carry the naming rights for now and, uh, and want to build, you know, in terms of getting, you know, if we want to develop African talent and, and some of the best riders across the African continent to come into cycling, it's, we need to, to get them onto bicycles. Hence the reason why we started the partnership because we, you know, we, we believe that Africa has incredible endurance talent as we've seen in marathon running and endurance running and, uh, you know, put, put bicycles, out there, we can definitely see, you know, that uh, we can get the best talent on on bicycles too coming through, and that's the that's the goal and the dream of the team, and the goal and the dream of the partnership with Quebecer, which is which is core to to our existence. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been to one of those bike handovers uh, with Quebec, and if uh, I'll urge our listeners, if if you haven't seen it, go and Google it, YouTube it, and 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 yeah, be in touch with the guys, Quebec. They're always looking for people to go on and 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 hand out those bikes when 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 they do do those bike handouts, and it will seriously seriously fire you up uh, about what they are doing. But as far as the team goes, Douglas, there, there are a whole bunch of South Africans on the team, but you mention Africans. There's a there's there's 
Africans on the team that aren't South Africans. And, and talent-wise, I, I mean, you, you don't really think of Africa as the this, this cycling powerhouse. Some of the guys you've got on the team, I mean, have, have they got the ability to win big races? Well, absolutely. I mean, we've seen, you know, this year the Eritrean riders have shown, you know, that they are super talents um, in world cycling. Not only the riders that have been on our team, but, um, you know, riders. There's an Eritrean rider on Europe car that... Uh, at one stage in the Tour of Turkey this year, there's a, there's a Eritrean rider on on Orica Greenedge that also just won a race recently and um, and rode the the Tour of Spain, the Vuelta last year for Greenedge. So so that's great. We've got some on our team that have done that, that have done incredibly well. Meron Rusom has been a, a rider that has really you know come on in leaps and bounds. We we also had Yusuf Regegi who became this weekend the first Algerian rider. Ever to race a world tour race when he when he when he rode the Vattenfall Classics in Germany, Scarbu Gribremay, our Ethiopian rider, became the first Ethiopian cyclist ever also to win a race when he won a stage in the Tour of um, Taiwan. So, so yeah, look, we've uh, you know we've we've had great success with these guys. They're all incredibly young, and that's the one thing about our team. It's the second youngest team, and in the second and first division of world cycling. So, you know, our riders are inexperienced in age and inexperienced in terms of the racing as well. And they're, and they're showing their abilities on the bike uh, at such a young age and in their first season, which, which puts great focus on the future and, and what is potentially possible with, with the team. Yeah, Douglas, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the team as well, and I wanted to ask you this. How much of of a boosted uh, Daryl Impey's performance at this year's Tour de France, and, and also Chris Froome? I mean, he's got strong South African connections, and I look at a lot of the, the guys who are on your team have probably raced with Chris and Daryl throughout their career. How much of a yeah. boost was was, was Daryl being in yellow and, and Chris Froome taking the overall GC at the Tour? How much confidence will that give your guys? Well, it makes the impossible possible. Because everybody thinks it was impossible, but it's not. It's possible because they've ridden with these guys. They know them as individuals. They've trained with them. You know, Chris and Daryl, we had a, we had a briar last year at the end of our team training camp when we brought all of our riders out from all over the world and Africa to South Africa for a training camp and took them through the Quebec communities. And Chris Freeman and Daryl went on one or two rides with the guys and, and came to the briar that we had at the end of our training camp. And they were just chatting and talking to each other and talking about training and, you know, and just, you know, racing in Europe, et cetera. So, I mean, it, it absolutely makes the dream real. And it makes it, you know, when you can, when you know someone that you can talk to and have spoken to and have written with, you, you know, the, the possible or the impossible becomes possible. And I think that's what it's done. It's opened their eyes to, you know, to, to, to realize that, that this is definitely something that they can strive for. And that's something that is, that if they work really, really hard, that, uh, that they could achieve. And, um, and that's, that's just brilliant what it's done for, for cycling across this whole continent, I think it's really opened people's eyes to to what is possible, and um, and it hopefully, and I'm sure it will drive more people onto bicycles because they will aspire to want to be like one of those guys. Or, you know, pe- people need heroes, and uh, and people want to aspire to people that have that have done great things and are and that are really nice guys. And both of those are great ambassadors of the sport. So, yeah, it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful time for us now. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't wait to see the effect because we're not going to see that effect right now. That that effect is going to come years from now, uh, just with with what those two performances in this year's tour is going to do for cycling. Like you said, not just in South Africa but on the continent. But but a lot of guys who have come through the same system that those two guys have come through, 
uh, are now yep. sitting on the fringes going, you know what, if, if they can do it, I can do it. And, and I can't wait to, to sort of see the effect that that's going to have. But Douglas, look, looking ahead for, for Team MT in Quebec, what's the, what's the long-term plan? I mean, you talk about making the impossible possible. When you guys first launched this uh, sort of initiative to go to Europe and, and, and go and get on that circuit, a lot of people thought you were crazy. Uh, but things are happening. And, and, and where do you see yourself, I mean, in, in the best-case scenario, what's going to happen with this team? Well, in the next two years, you know, our big focus is now is to move into, move one level up and move into into the grand tours of cycling. And, you know, we we, we met with the ASO owners of the Tour de France and Vuelta and um, and RCS Sport of the, you know, who, who managed the Tour d'Italia a year ago. And they asked us in our first year, would we like to do those, you know, the grand tours of cycling? And we said, no, we didn't want to do them in our first year. We wanted to build the credibility, the depth, the experience of our riders, and we wanted to work really, really hard. And they were surprised. Like, if we gave you an opportunity to ride our race, would you ride? And we said, no, we didn't. We, we do not want to do it in the first year, but in the second and the third year, we absolutely believe that, that if you give us the chance, we'll really make a difference in the event and in the race and and add a huge amount of value. And, and that's where we are now. We've shown how how the successful the team has been this year. And, um, you know, and, and now going forward in 2014, we really want to go to – to, to the Grand Tours and, and potentially race the GD Italia and the Vuelta in 2014 and, and, and the Tour de France in 2015. That's that's our goal. Um, for the next two years, we're working really hard on that. We we've got fantastic support from MTN and Samsung, our sponsors, to you know to help make this happen. And um, and we've also started to to add a bit more depth into our team. We announced the signing of Linus Gerdeman. Um, just the other day, which is a guy that's done eight Grand Tours. He's worn the yellow jersey and white jersey in the Tour de France. He's done four Giro d'Italia's, one at stage in the Tour of Spain. Um, so, yeah, so we're starting to build a depth um, to, to really help pull our other riders through in, in terms of understanding what needs to be done to get to that level. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, that's going to stand us in good stead to, to take on the Grand Tours, you know, in 2014 and 2015. Yeah, that's awesome. Douglas, uh, you guys are pretty active online in that as well. I know you, you're you active on Twitter. What I'll do is I'll add all those links on, on this website, on, on the page for the show notes for the show, uh, so that if people want to follow you and follow the team's journey into Europe and, and get behind the team, they can do that as well. I want to wish you all the best. I'd love to stay in touch and, and, and sort of as we, we head into the, the new season, as this one wraps up, uh, and then, yeah, let's let's all get behind Team MT in Quebec because you, you are. You're making a massive difference here on the continent, and, and we just love what you're doing. And, and, and yeah, I, I also agree with you that you, I mean, that first year is a great opportunity, but you guys don't want to just go and make up the numbers. You, you want to be competitive and, and, and possibly win a stage or two and, and, and get some of your riders up there. I'm taking that was probably one of the, the big reasons for, for you turning that uh, that down in the first year, I'm guessing. Yes, correct. I mean, we want to... We want to be credible, and we want to, we want the project to be sustainable, and we don't want our riders to go there getting and, and getting blown apart and thinking, oh, the sport is too hard, and and we will never achieve that success. This is something that we want, you know, for for African cycling and South African cycling for for the long term, and uh, and it wasn't about marketing; it was about actually making making you know what we're trying to achieve sustainable and uh, you know something for the future, not just you know not just to get a return on marketing. Douglas Ryder, team principal of MTN Quebec. Thank you for your time. Really do appreciate you chatting to us. Thanks very much for the opportunity.
One of the things I love about cycling is just the, the camaraderie and, and, and just the, the sort of competition between mates and, and cycling clubs. And it's always good to get out on the roads with, with a bunch of mates and who have got sort of common interest. And there's some great cycling clubs around the country. And, and one of the biggest nationally has got to be Cycle Lab. And I, I thought, you know what, let me chat to the folks from Cycle Lab, find out exactly what they're doing. So, so maybe you have a club and you're trying to grow numbers. Maybe you can learn a little bit about what Cycle Lab are doing. Or if you're looking for a club, maybe Cycle Lab is exactly what you're looking for. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show this week, Ali McLean. Ali, welcome onto Cycle Talk SA. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Ali, you, you, you coordinate pretty much the entire Cycle Lab club structure. You, you've got 13 branches around the country. Tell me a little bit about how the structure works and, and the regions that you guys operate in. Um, yes, we do have 13 around the country. We have a national sponsor, so that makes sense for Toyota to be involved in us as we have national structure. Um, we've got clubs from Polokwane, out in Pumalanga Way, Natal, Cape. Obviously, um, when it comes to Hateng, we've got northern, southern, um, and the other side down, Pretoria Way. So, yeah, we've got 13 around the country. Okay, so you've pretty much got the whole of South Africa covered. I know this is a really difficult question, but what is it that makes you guys as successful as you are? I would say, Brad, probably because we do run it as a business. I think the um, advantage is that we have a sponsor like we do with Toyota, where we are then able to employ permanent staff around the country. We're not the type of club where we have a like the old-fashioned cycling club or sport club, We'd have a treasurer who's volunteering their time. You'd have a secretary volunteering. We run it as a business. The person is employed to run it from morning to night, and that's the success of it, I would say. They have to do it. It's their job. Yeah, Ellie, I couldn't agree more. Often when, when you are working with volunteers, it, it becomes really difficult because you can't really, I mean, if you're the chairman of a club, as an example, and, and your, your club captain's not maybe doing what he's supposed to be doing, it's difficult to put your foot down if he is a volunteer. You can't fire volunteers, can you? Yeah, and also you can't blame those people, you know. The, the main job and the, and what they have to put their time and effort into is obviously what puts the bread and butter on the table. So it's after hours and that comes after their own sport and after their own children and their own. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not that you can't rely on, on volunteers because most times those people are the ones that are so passionate about their sport. Yeah, exactly. But it's finding time in their days to be able to give of themselves. Yeah, and I mean, you, you say you've got full-time employees, but you've also got some really passionate cyclists involved in those clubs as well that, that help out any, any sort of opportunity that they needed. Tell us a little bit about, let's just talk about one of the clubs as an example. Let's talk about the one that, that operates out of, out of four ways. You guys have got a lot of sort of weekly rides where, where guys go out into the cradle, for example, and there's, there's marshals and, and that sort of thing. Tell us how those work. And, and, and do, do those sort of rides also apply to your other, other 13 branches around the country? Yes, they do. We try um, very hard to make sure that your experience, whether you come to Polokwane Club or you go to 4 Club, whichever club you go to, your experience should be exactly the same. You're paying the same type of membership fees um, to go to whichever club, so you should be getting the same experience everywhere. And that is in us having following vehicles. I mean, very fortunate with Toyota. It really is a, is a huge benefit to our club members that we have following vehicles, that we have trained marshals. We've got our club members, and this again is where I'm saying volunteers. They're passionate people. They are, um, you know, they help with marshalling. We run rosters around through the full calendar year. 
We have Think Bike that we employ as well, which we pay for, and they give us fantastic service in looking after. They they also trained in the safety because we have them. We've got very good partners in the way of ER24 too. Um, so I think also for, never mind for the cyclist, but for the cyclist family at home, I think it's also great that the wife knows that there's move insurance involved us or move safe. And, and they've got a medical band on their wrist, which then links into a national database that we can get hold of easily, which then ER24 are linked into. So it's all those different things, I think, that you add in to the club that then makes the member. I mean, I, go, I have to go back again and say things like Toyota. I mean, if it wasn't for Toyota, whether we had passionate members running the club, passionate people running the club, it wouldn't happen without Toyota because they... They give us the funding to be able to do these things and, and just little things like a 94.7, I'm now talking benefits back to the club member, 94.7 hospitality. It costs them an absolute arm and a leg to, for us to be able to cater for up to 2,000 members on the day. We have 6,000 national members, over 6,000. But it's things like that that then give us the benefits and give us the edge over some of our competitors, I would say. Okay, yeah, Ellie, I wanted to touch on that. I mean, that's one thing that I've seen you guys do really, really well is is you offer your members a, a lot for their membership fee. I mean, when they when they join up, there's 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 kit that they can get, and then but like you mentioned at the Momentum ninety four point seven after the race, there's a, a huge hospitality area that your members can enjoy, and it's exclusive for for your members. It is. It is exclusive for the member and for the member's family. So anybody comes in, um, they will then come in and drink and eat. And it's just somewhere, a hub for people to come and be able to meet their fellow club members. The, the I mean, the camaraderie that goes on in those. For me, it's been club for 12 years. I sit back at the end of that day every year and I'm inspired. You know, you just listen to them all chatting about. We had Our oldest member is a 89-year-old, Walter Hein. Every time he comes walking into the Argus or the 94.2, and hospitality, Monday to You see them walking in and the members that are there to welcome him. It, it, it is this wonderful camaraderie and it's those type of things that just inspire more cyclists to get out on the road. Okay, and, and let's talk about those cyclists. You talk, you, you've got an 89-year-old member. What, what's your youngest member? I mean, does the age really vary from really young to really old? It does. We do have 12-year-olds. I mean, it is something that we've discussed and we speak about regularly in the club because you know, there's a safety element or, or lack thereof on, on the club ride or on roads in South Africa. So it is a worry. You know, you, you're going out and you've got a 12-year-old or 14-year-old and you're taking them out on the public roads and you're thinking if anything, God forbid, ever happens to the child. So it, it is difficult to sort of manage that. You've got to make sure that this child person is road savvy, that they can come out. What we do for that is that we then cater for absolute beginners. So we have beginner clinics, which then are just in the suburbs. They're just through five-kilometer tracks. And once we feel that they are now capable of being out onto a road, then we call it what we call them the migration group. We then migrate them from a total beginner in the suburbs going onto the proper road. And then it goes up into the D groups and the E groups and the A groups. And we can have, outside four ways, we can have six, 700 people here on a Saturday morning. That's fantastic. And those those different groups that are out on the road, once they've migrated across, those those you, you talk about the A, B, C, and D, that's obviously dependent on, on the sort of ability of the cyclist. The, the, correct the me if I'm wrong, but the A, the A group would be a lot faster than the D group. That's it. The different groups, we get A, we get B, we get a whole lot in the C, and then we get a whole lot in the Ds and down to the E. 
but it, it's then graded by the amount, the distance that they do and obviously the overall average speed on a heli course. So we have marshals that stand at the front of the groups every Saturday. They let them know where they're going to be going. Those are marshals that are kitted out in separate, in different kits so that they are identifiable during the ride. And they all get um, allocated, I think, by marshal as well. All right, brilliant. Ali, if, if somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more about the Cycle Lab uh, Club, where can they go to, to find out more info? I would recommend that they go to www.cyclelab.co.za. They'll see Cycle Club and then onto the membership page and they'll give them all the info. Or they're more than welcome to give us a call at 4 um, 011-707-4700. Right, brilliant. And then what I'll do is, Ali, I'll put those details up on our website as well. So if, if somebody wants to, to get hold of you, they can just click through directly from the website. And I know you guys are also very active on social media. I'll pop your social media uh, handles up there as well. So if people want to get in touch that way, they can too. Okay. Ali McLean, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Thank I think you. what you guys are doing are ama- is amazing. And, and yeah, uh, I just we really yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for all you do for the sport too, Brad. Thank you. No, no worries at all. Ellie, thank you so much. <laughs>well, we're into a brand new month. It is September, and it is National Deaf Awareness Month as well. And I recently found out about, uh, about a bunch of intrepid South Africans that are cycling from Pretoria to Port Elizabeth, all part of uh, an awareness-raising campaign. It's called The Race for Better Hearing, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Freddie Pinar. Freddie, welcome onto Cycle Talk SA. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Freddie, tell me how you got involved. This will be the second time you're doing this ride from Pretoria to PE. Tell me how you got involved with this campaign. Uh, yes, um, one of our friends, uh, well, uh, one of our customers at our at the local bike shops, uh, approached me. Heard about tours that we used to do for um, for uh, schools and those things, and uh, he asked me how how to do this. How can how can he go about organising something like this? And uh, then Krizan got involved, and uh, we started organising this event. Krizan uh, just got hold of. Uh, the Eriplex school, and they informed uh, that they needed funds for kids that uh, at, uh, receiving cochlear implants. And that's how it all started. From there on, uh, we started the campaign last year. Um, the total distance we covered was around about 1,700 and something kilometers to Cape Town. This year it's going to be slightly shorter, uh, 1,340 if I'm correct. Okay, and then Freddie, how long over how long a period are you are you guys planning on riding? Uh, the actual riding time will be seven days. Um, I'm out of the the shop or out of, of work uh, to do the campaign for that period is going to be ten days. Uh, we'll be staying over in Harit uh, for one rest day in between. Um, that will be on the fourth day, if I'm correct, and then uh, another day at uh, PE where we will will be doing a spinning marathon for this um, same campaign. All right, cool. And it's all in aid of the, the Eduplex School. Tell us a little bit about the Eduplex School in Queens, in Queenswood, in Pretoria. Well, the Eduplex School is a, um, I don't know how to say this in Afrikaans, it's a school for, for, for all kids, uh, not only um, hearing um, disabled kids. Um, it's a school that can accommodate people with a hearing loss or the kids with a hearing loss as well as your normal kids. Uh, so they get exposed to a normal normal environment where they can... Uh, Mingle with the, with the kids that's able to hear, and uh, the kids that can hear can also get used to, uh, you know, children that um, 
it's got a difficulty to hear. Um, they've got specific equipment in the classrooms, for instance, um, speakers um, that's uh, with a microphone to the to the uh, um, to a teacher that's on a specific frequency, so the kids can hear properly what what they're saying and so forth. Okay, it's amazing. And then, Freddie, how many of you are going to be undertaking this journey from from Pretoria to to Port Elizabeth? Uh, in total, the crew will be around about uh, will be eighteen. Uh, the actual cyclists will be fourteen. Um, there's a couple of newcomers there, um, people that never cycled before uh, or cycled very little, and they they trained for this specifically over the past uh, three or four months. Uh, they've got another month and a half or so to prepare for that. Okay, brilliant. And and you guys are leaving. You guys are leaving in 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 the morning. Basically, going to be gone a week on the road. If if people want to follow your journey, uh, is is it possible for them to do that online? Yes, I can. Uh, they can follow us on on Facebook. They can just um, put in uh, Rachel Betty Hearing, and then they'll get our Facebook page. Um, they can also call Kazan. Um, they can also follow us on 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 several radio stations. I don't have the exact details of that right now, but um, that will be um, published in in the next few um, days or so. All right, brilliant, Freddie. What I'll do as well is I'll pop those details on our website too, so that if people want to uh, follow your journey from Pretoria down to Port Elizabeth, they can. And then you guys are obviously doing this to raise funds. If people want to want to sort of donate to the cause, how can they go about doing that? Uh, they can also contact Kazan. Um, or they can email Kazan at Kazan at redtimemarketing.co.za. She will uh, then forward all the details um, uh, as, as to how to, to contribute, make a contribution. They can also claim that obviously from um, from their tax and uh, get a certificate and everything for that. Great stuff. Freddie, what I'll do is I'll pop all of those details. I'll put uh, Kazan's number and, and email address on the website as well. And if, if people want to uh, make a donation... Uh, they can do it that way. Freddie Pinot, thank you so much for chatting to us. I want to wish you all the best on this epic journey you're about to undertake and, and hopefully we can catch up soon. Excellent. Thank you so much. Another week of Cycle Talk SA done and dusted. Thank you to our guests, Douglas Ryder, Ali McLean, and Freddie Pinar. Really do appreciate your time here on the show. Don't forget as well, as always, if you'd like to be in touch, you can uh, pop us a tweet at Cycle Talk SA. You can pop me an email, podcast at Cycle Talk SA, or just like our Facebook page. Just search for Cycle Talk SA, and you can pop me a message on there as well. Looking ahead to next week here on the show, I'm going to be catching up with Liesl van and radio and TV personality who's just about uh, done everything uh, with regards to uh, athletics. She's an Ironman. She's done the doozy. And, uh, yeah, she's taking up cycling in a big way, getting back on the bike. I know she did come off and is battling to, to wrap her head around that side of things. But I'll, I'll chat to her a little bit about it and how she's overcoming her fear of getting back on the bicycle. That's all on next week's episode of Cycle Talk SA. Thanks to everybody who commented and uh, posted messages on the interview I did with Tyler Hamilton last week. If you missed that one, uh, go back and check it out. I definitely think it's, it's worth a listen. So until next week, you have yourself a great one and we'll chat soon. Cheers.